do you care at all about the way your grid looks on your profile page? Because I thought it was the dumbest thing ever until Michelle brought it to my attention about a year ago. And now I can't, I'm not going to lie, I do pay attention to how it looks, even though we know that doesn't necessarily seem to be the emphasis of content anymore on Instagram. We are a more stories-driven society. We get really frustrated really easily because we think that we have to like get it all right in in the one shot and not realizing that just taking the picture is just a very small part of the overall process to make a really good looking photo. We can be successful if we stay committed to our dreams. Like it can be super overwhelming sometimes because we can be like, this dream is 10 years away or this dream seems totally unattainable or I don't have the skills to achieve this. But once you step out of that comfort zone, once you challenge yourself, and once you realize like, if I chase this, I can do it. Hi, I'm Michelle, an entrepreneur and creative business coach. Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a social media and digital content strategist. We're friends with a shared passion for creativity in all its forms. Through this podcast, you'll find ideas to help up your game and share experiences with a community of creatives who understand what it's like to work and create in the digital world. If the episode you're about to hear sparks something inside you, share your voice by connecting with us on social media at pod for creatives on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So Steve, remember when we did this thing called conversations with creatives? I do. I do remember it. Yes. I love that. I love those episodes. It's kind of been a while since we did that. So we're bringing it back in this special episode with someone really cool. I feel like she may be my new Instagram crush. <laughs> I think I held that 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 spot for like maybe a no, week. No, no, no. You were like the number one, but you were not the Instagram crush. Oh. There is a difference. Okay, okay. You still probably still, have I'm, the num- just... you still have the number one spot, but all that means is like you look at my content more than anyone else or we interact the most. Probably means because I'm on Instagram more than I should be, but I'm still <laughs> unfamiliar with these terms, so excuse me. Um, but no, really excited to be uh, doing another edition of Conversations with Creatives. This time around, we're talking with uh, Brie Lewerke. If you don't know who Brie Lewerke is, you can follow her on Twitter um, at Brie Lewerke. But she is a digital media specialist. Uh, she works for Sports Engine, and she does a lot of work with uh, Nike Elite Youth Basketball. She's a photographer for um, this this entity. Conducts a lot of interviews with with athletes, youth athletes. Uh, runs the social media. She's a content producer, event coordinator, website designer. I mean, anything under the title of digital media. Um, she is doing and she is kicking ass doing it. And we are lucky and very fortunate enough to have her as uh, the next guest on Conversations with Creatives. Bri, on your website, you talk about how um, you had landed an internship uh, your junior year in college with the Wizards, uh, NBA team, the Washington Wizards. So when you moved back to Iowa after it was done with, you talk about how you realized pretty much right there that you could never not work in sports again. What was it that sort of kind of hooked you immediately? Yeah, um, I think more than anything, it was like the people, whether that's the athletes who have these awesome stories of like tough backgrounds and all the hard work that they had to get to to get where they are today, or it's the people like you two who are in the industry and are so passionate about working in sports and telling these stories in super creative ways. Or just like the people that you work with every day. Like I have made so many friends, so many connections, so many valuable people in the sports industry. And just the fact that 
it's ever changing. Like you have to constantly be on top of your game because it's one of the most competitive industries in the world. And just keeping just that competitive spirit is so exciting. Like you just know that every day is different. Like sports are never the same. Like we never, I mean, besides like the warriors for the past five years, like you, there's always new teams that are at, at the top, no matter what sport it is. And just that like ever changing and just knowing that you're constantly needing to challenge yourself and others around you was just super exciting for me. So um, the Wizards was like literally the first taste of working in the sports world. And after that, I was like, everything else seems boring. <laughs> <laughs> Is like a lot of, you know, what we see or what what people would see of your work. I mean, you're working with athletes who have these large aspirations um in terms of making it big and going someplace and making more for themselves how much of that do you feel do you feed off of in the work that you do oh my gosh so much like especially a lot of the work i do for d1 circuit is around like high school athletes and just like knowing that literally every athlete who plays out on that court wants to be in the nba like we all know that they're not going to be like we know it's such a small percentage but the fact that they just have these like hopes, aspirations. I just love like being able to enhance that and give them more exposure. A lot of them don't need more exposure because they're, you know, like ranked number one and they get bleach report and ESPN noticing them and stuff like that. But like, even like the lower tier, like maybe the sixth man off the bench is just super exciting because I get to see so many kids from like eighth grade, um, through high school that come in and they aren't noticed. And then they start, they work so hard. They have like an amazing attitude. They're awesome on camera they work hard in school and just like seeing them grow is like super exciting, you know, like MBA and college, like a lot of college is more development, but like MBA, these players are developed. Like some of them come in and get way better, but most of them, like, you know what their talent is going to be before they even make it to the MBA. And so just seeing like players blossom and having grow in challenging situations is just so exciting and just super awesome to be a part of it and glad to enhance whatever I can. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that's so interesting that I never even considered that because it's not just the athletes in the sports world that are competitive, but everyone else. So that are like on the sidelines or or reporting or just working in the fields just because you're exposed to that energy. So have have you found that most of the people that you work with kind of fit into that, that have a competitive drive? And do you think that, that it does come from the athletes that you're around? I totally think so. Like they completely have a competitive drive. And then just like it is, it's like a competition to see who can tell the best story on this athlete, who can shine them in the brightest light and make sure that the athlete is appreciative and makes that connection with them too. So I definitely think it would be competitive all around for sure. All right, we're going to shift gears a little bit. Um, Steve found this great quote from a photographer named Arthur Meyerson, who said, one of the things I've always tried to do in taking pictures, whether they're for a client or myself, is to say the most with the least, kind of like a short story writer. So um, knowing that you also have a background in photography, why do good photos always seem to be more about what you see on the surface as a photographer anybody can take a camera point it and push a button like it's that simple and that's honestly how I started like not to discredit anyone but that's how I started but taking photos anybody can take a picture or any photographer can take a picture of a dunk or take a picture of a guy dribbling down the court but getting that moment after the dunk like the excitement the the passion after somebody dunks it and so being able to capture moments that people don't usually regularly see 
or that aren't all over ESPN highlights is super exciting because it helps tell the story. It's like these kids aren't out here just dunking and dribbling a basketball. Like it's so much more than that. Seeing like different emotions and being able to tell the story of the game is just super exciting. And like it's it's photography isn't just taking photos like it's about getting the right lighting, the right white balance, the depth of field, and then just how much you can tell with like a square of a, like a photo is a square of a moment. Like it is literally like taking a square from a gym or an arena or anything like that and being able to capture the essence of what's going on in that small square is just, it's really difficult. Like I didn't understand it at first, but it's so cool that you can tell a story with such a small capture of a moment. Yeah, I think a lot of us who aren't, don't know as much about photography know that there is a technical side to it, but I think that we don't think about the fact that you have to be aware of of capturing those moments, like you said. And I know that you said that it's difficult. Um, do you feel like it's something that just kind of comes with time or is there anything that you've done to become more aware or do you just like snap like a million photos so that you're covered and then you're really good at picking the right one? Um, I would say the latter was first. Like I would just take as many photos as I could and then I would have, I mean, I could take like 5,000 photos and have like 50 good ones, which is crazy. The ratio is insane. Um, but I think as I've gone on, like I've really learned how to try to frame specific moments. Like I mentioned the dunk or like a layup or a fast break. I always used to just try to focus on the dunk and then right after I'd go down to look at my camera to see if I got the dunk. And then I'd be like, I just missed this kid like on the floor, flexing his arms, like screaming, like what a cool moment that would have been to grab. And so I started paying more attention to like the side moments on the game, like even on the bench with coaches, like with other players interacting with um, other players and stuff like that. So I think before the photo, like I'm always, I'm, I am always just trying to get a lot. Like it's important just because you just never know, at least in my job, what they could be used for later. So like even photos that aren't Instagram worthy or something could be used down the road for a graphic or something like that. But I just think thinking about the moment, thinking about the story that you can tell and thinking about the moments that people don't often see, just kind of trying to think outside the box is like super important. Obviously, I can't like sit before every photo for 5000 photos and think about how I want to frame it and exactly what I want it to look like. But the post editing process is really important too, because you go through all these photos and you try to capture what best describes what you want to people to think and what you want people to see. And so post editing is is very, very important in photography. And actually, I, I like it like almost as much as I like shooting. Um, really? I, well, yeah. I know that it's kind of a, an art in itself. And some of the best photographers are the best because they know how to edit properly. Um, okay. But I think that that's really uh, reassuring and maybe a little comforting for the novice photographers out there to hear because I know that I was this way and I know a lot of people in my audience try to self-teach photography and we get really frustrated really easily because we think that we have to like get it all right in in the one shot and not realizing that just taking the picture is just a very small part of the overall process to make a really good looking photo. Oh, it, it really is. Like I honestly, if I am at a tournament all day taking photos so from like eight to ten I probably have like ten thousand photos so it's it's taking a lot and it's a lot of post editing but in the end it's usually worth it <laughs> so we know you know in digital communication today that imagery is like a vital piece of it 
What are your thoughts on like why that's the case? I think nowadays people have a hard time. Maybe it's picturing the story, but almost paying attention to digital content if it does not have imagery attached. Like if I scroll past tweets so much faster, if it does not have an image or a video in it, and we all know this, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's basically like essential that you attach some kind of imagery to tweets or Facebook posts or LinkedIn posts or articles or whatever it is. In the digital age, at least, we're so much more about presenting the story with imagery and less words because people don't read nowadays. Like so many less newspapers, articles need to be shorter. They need to have times on the, like article, like two minute read or five minute read. So people decide <laughs> to read it, which is We great. just say thank God for that too, because that's, yeah. it's, it's such a time saver ahead of time. It truly is. It's such a blessing because I used to start to read and then I'd be like, holy crap, this thing is awesome. <laughs> But no, so like I think imagery, I think our generation and um, especially the generation coming up behind us, they're just, they want to know the story as fast as possible. And I think short videos or um, photo galleries are so valuable in telling that story um, for people like we just don't have time nowadays. We just don't have time to read. <laughs> yeah, it really, it, it that's spot on and and you know scrolling through a lot of the work that you that you produce on um you know what what's up on Instagram the thing that stands out to me a lot about your work is that every image tells a story i mean you could see you know an athlete in just you know complete joy over a moment that took place a moment of frustration a moment of concentration knowing that he's got to sink this free throw you know whatever the whatever the look might be i feel like that's the benefit because time is such it's so short, you know, when you're scrolling through and we're in this scrolling society now that it's it's not just, you know, where the old prevailing thought used to be. Well, you have to have an image up there because, you know, it has to accompany it. Now we're not looking at text. It's almost like your image also has to tell a story now, because if it doesn't, we're going to lose them, too. Exactly. When they're scrolling through, you need to make them stop. And when they stop, they usually don't even read the caption. Maybe yeah. sometimes they will. But like even keeping captions short is so important. But yeah, telling the story with a single image, if somebody can look at the image and understand what's going on, like, I think that's the goal that all photographers and digital people would love. So we want to learn a little bit more about you as a person. Um, first off, your favorite social platform and why? So this is a tough one. Um, I like the fact that I could assen- I can essentially create a portfolio on Instagram. So I have my personal account, and this is for a lot of creatives, and I have my photography account. And Twitter, I mean, you can do that on Twitter. You can create a portfolio. You can create like moments and, you know, stuff like that, like threads. But being able to have an account that I know is targeting the right market. Like if I would post um, some cool photos that I got, like even of like Jimmy Butler or something um, on my personal account, it would get no engagement. And I was like, why does nobody care about this? Like, (laughs) And then I was like, oh, well, like I didn't start this Instagram page for photography or to display my work like. People just care. I don't even know if they care about me or what they care about. But they're, <laughs> And um, so creating an account where I know that the followers are either interested in photography or basketball or sports was so valuable. Like it connected me with the right people. I was able to know um, like who really cared about my work and and just post like my art. Like it was so exciting to be able to post it without thinking like, oh, like people are going to get annoyed by this or um, people aren't going to care about this or whatever on my personal account. And so Instagram in that aspect has been awesome for connecting me with the right audience and knowing um, that my work is somewhat valued. 
but I just, I really love Twitter too. Like I get my news from Twitter. I'm on Twitter for every basketball game. And, um, I've met super awesome people like you reached out to me on Twitter. Um, and I would have never had this opportunity without that. And so I think they both have like their pros and cons. Like I honestly feel like besides, um, posting my photos on my, um, personal account, I only use Instagram for like stories because of like the chronological order has just like thrown and I'm sure you guys agree for so long um and so I don't even scroll through the Instagram feed as much as I used to like I'll go to like the first five and then I'll exit out and so um Twitter always keeps me interested like there's always stuff to read on Twitter I learned so much from Twitter but I'll say that Instagram takes takes the top number one but it's a tough race yeah team Instagram (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you care on Instagram? Because Michelle has kind of enlightened me on this over the years. This was something, even as someone who works in social media, that um, I wasn't aware of. Um, Do you care at all about the way your grid looks on your profile page? Because I thought it was the dumbest thing ever until Michelle brought it to my attention about a year ago. And now I can't. I'm not going to lie. I do pay attention to how it looks, even though we know that doesn't necessarily seem to be the emphasis of content anymore on Instagram. We are a more stories driven uh, society. So do you care about the grid and the way that looks aesthetically? I care about the grid like a 50% or like seasonally. Like sometimes (laughs) I will be like, I have like photos on my account, on my photo account that have like all these fancy borders and stuff. And then I just like quit after six posts. I was like, okay, that's enough. Like, I I think I go through like stages where I'm like, I want this to look super aesthetically pleasing and stuff like that. And then I go through stages where I'm like, I want to post this photo. Like I'm going to post it. I don't care if it matches the photo behind it. Like it's, it's going to be okay. And so I know that like a lot of brands even, um, and personal accounts care so much about the aesthetic and they will not post it if it doesn't match it. But I think I'm like 50 50. Like if I like the photo, I'm going to post it. But sometimes I try to be like, you know, cool and fancy, but not as <laughs> not, not that much. <laughs> Michelle, do you like constantly care about how it looks or what's your flexibility? here? Well, there are people who definitely care more than I do. And I, w- I will say that like I do bend the rules exactly what you said. Like if I have a photo that like I really want to use and it's not, you know, probably wouldn't be the one that I would pick. Yep but I know it's going to work. I just, I use it anyway. Like this actually just happened like this past week. I don't know if you experienced this or not, but whenever I post photos of myself, I try not to do them back to back or to have them like one on top of the other in the grid. But I broke that rule this week because I was like, I can't think of anything else that's going to like work with this. So I'll just, I'll use a picture of myself, but I tried to pick one that it was at least like the composition was different. But I think it really only it really doesn't matter at all. But I I think the reason that people think that it might matter is just for that first impression. When people first land on your page, that's really when they're going to be looking at your grid. I mean, once you follow a person, you'll rarely go back to to their like profile page unless you need something. Um, So, yeah, it's all about making that first impression, knowing who your audience is. I mean, my audience are a bunch of creative people who, you know, we can be a little judgy sometimes. So. I'm playing to my audience, but you know, if your audience is like, I know that you have creatives who follow you, but also have like the sports people who follow you, they're probably going to care much more about the individual content than the big picture. No, yeah, I, I totally get that. I, and a lot of my followers are like high school boys, so they don't really, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're not but, looking at that. Yeah. <laughs> 
no, but I, I totally get like, that's where the portfolio part comes in. Like sometimes it's truly used as a portfolio. So you design it like you would like a website or something like that, where you land on it and you're like, wow, like this is amazing. Like it looks like it's all very put together and it's like in sync. So I, I totally get that side of it too. I have a, a side question, a Twitter question, actually. Okay. Other than Steve, who is the coolest person that you've met through Twitter <laughs> that like maybe our audience might know? Like, have you met any like celebs or connected with any celebs through Twitter? I don't know if you guys will know this one, but Drew Hanlon, uh, he is a NBA basketball trainer for like everybody like Joel Embiid. Um, gosh, who else? I can't even think of it right. Like Jason Tatum. Him and I connected through Twitter when I was in D.C. because he worked with Brad Beal and Kelly Oubre and stuff like that. I mean, he's not like a celebrity by any means or um, or anyone famous, but that's that's about all I can think of. I would like wish I could I should go through my Twitter DMs. <laughs> <laughs> what's up but no I'm um, outside of just like people who work in this industry like Steve I've yeah like I've met a few people from like Bleacher Report and stuff like that but I mean like Jimmy Butler has messaged me on Instagram saying that I took a nice photo of him which, which is awesome <laughs> um, but other than that no I haven't met made any like huge connections outside of that not yet you'll have to report back <laughs> I will <laughs> I check the DMs <laughs> a book that you've read lately that you just couldn't put down so one of my 2019 goals is to read more. I used to be like the biggest bookworm like throughout high school and stuff. You know, like when you would, used to track how many pages you would read in school, like <laughs> I was at the top of those lists. Um, but I feel like I've fallen back in the last couple of years. So I definitely need to, I'm speaking this into existence. I'm going to read more in 2019. Um, but a book that I have been reading and that I just read on um, the plane to Chicago is Contagious, Why Things Catch On by Jonah Berger. I don't know if you guys have read that or not, but it's awesome for like digital creative um, marketing people because it basically talks about like why do things catch on, how to correctly market products and services and how to basically make something popular. And so um, especially in the social world, I was like, this is super valuable, like and even just learning the stories of things that did catch on and that went super viral was like super interesting to me to see what tactics they took and um, yeah, just how it all came together. So that was a super good book that I got through really fast, but hoping to read a bunch more soon here. Jonah Berger is awesome. I had a chance to see him at a uh, speak at a conference keynote at a conference <clears throat> a couple of years back and just super awesome dude and just very energetic and you just leave there feeling totally inspired. That's so cool that you met him. Did you read yeah. the book? I haven't read the book. I haven't read the book. Um, so I got to get on that. But he also doesn't follow me on Twitter, in case you were wondering <laughs> about that. He does not follow me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, um, read the book. It's a good one. Yeah, I'll put that on my list. Um, all right. So you do both. What do you prefer, photography or on-camera interviews? So both of them I had never strived to be. Like I, when I was in college, I did not know I wanted to be a photographer. And I did not know I wanted to do on-camera interviews. Um I got thrown into the interviews by my boss who was like, oh, you look like you could do this. Like, go try it. And so kind of how that ended up. And photography was like, we need photos for our social and our content. So I'm going to buy a $600 camera and try this thing out. So I think I would choose photography because I still feel like I have a lot to learn and refine with my on-camera uh, on interview skills. Like, I... 
am usually pretty comfortable like talking to people day to day, but it's like a whole nother art and craft to be able to interview and ask the right questions. And, um, I just love photography. I think I would prefer to be behind the camera. Um, I'm okay with being in front of it, but being behind the camera and being able to, like you mentioned, like just tell stories and photography has connected me with so many people. Like so many of the kids that I take photos of want their photos. So I end up connecting with them. Parents want their photos. Coaches want their photos. Like I've met so many people through photography. Like it's amazing what a single image can do for connecting you with people. Yeah. So that's super exciting. I just love also like the technical part of photography. Like you can never know enough about photography. There are so many settings, so many tactics, so many things that like, it's insane. Like I, the best photographer in the world probably still has a lot to learn. So I love that you're constantly learning and constantly trying to better your craft with photography, which can be the same for on-camera interview skills. But I just feel like photography is such an intricate craft to have. And it's so exciting. Like it's not just taking the photos and pushing a button. Like I love the post editing, like I mentioned earlier, like I love going through photos. I love altering them and making them look nice. Like whether that's my own photography or even like pictures on my personal account. Like I just love editing photos. My brother like sends me his photos every time he wants to post an Instagram post. (laughs) So I love doing stuff like that, but I I do like the on-camera interviewing as well because you get to connect with people and it kind of puts a face to the name. Whereas like photography, like before I created my photography account, I kind of like hid behind the D1 circuit brand and nobody knew who I was. Like nobody knew who was taking photos for D1 circuit. And you can kind of get hidden in that, in that profession if you don't showcase or get yourself out there. So that's the challenge with photography. But I do, I I do really think that I would choose photography. How much of, how, how big of a step was that for you to do that? Was it difficult to come, kind of come out from behind that, that account and be, you know, out there on your own? There were a couple things like at first I thought that maybe like my boss or my company would be like frustrated that I'm like posting photos for work on my like I didn't know where that line was drawn in industries. But once I got over that, it was pretty comfortable. Like it was actually super awesome, like being able to go into a tournament and people would like know my face or know my name or know my Instagram handle. Like that was something I had never experienced because I had always hidden behind the brand. And it was I mean, that's like a comfort zone thing, too, because it's like if you mess up or if you post a crappy photo or if like somebody's being mean in the comments, they don't know who's taking the photo, but mm. now, so, um, it's kind of like a, maybe a little added pressure. Like you have to be professional. You have to be like, you know, you have to kind of carry the right demeanor as a photographer. But, um, I think once I started the account and started seeing like some engagement or positive feedback, it was like, wow, I should have done this a lot longer. Mm. What keeps you up at night? Ooh, I would say probably just like thinking about what I want to do in life. Like that's a super like, (laughs) but just like thinking about where I want to be is like something that definitely keeps me up at night. Like I'm constantly thinking like, what can I do like tomorrow that I didn't do today? You know, like, or what, like this goal has been in my mind for how long and you're this far from reaching it. Like, what are you doing? Like you need to get on this. You need to, and just like the other thing that keeps me up at night is just like, think like knowing what is on the plate for the next day. You know, like we all have anxieties and stressors in our jobs and, and know that like waking up, you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, we don't have the option to not deal with it usually. So, um, (laughs) I think that would be the other thing, but yeah, just like the constant thoughts of 
how can I be better tomorrow than I was today is like super like I write down goals every night before I go to bed. And so like those things are always on my mind. Like, you know, like how can I make myself a better person, a better person in my career, a better at my craft, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I'm not like losing sleep or like an insomniac because of this, but I, if there's one thing, I would probably say that's it. How long have you been doing this writing your goals down before you go to bed thing? Um, for probably like the last year and a half to two years, if I remember right. So I have just like these little cute journals and stuff like that. So I think writing down things is so important because if you don't write down your goals or if you don't write down where you want to be or even like thoughts, like ideas and stuff like that, like I know we're all like computer laptop and notes on iPhones and stuff like that. But like, I just have this love for like writing things down and getting it on paper and like reading back at like old goals and seeing what you accomplish is just so fulfilling sometimes when you feel like you're stuck and you're like, wow, like I've really come this far or I wanted to do this two years ago and I'm so far beyond that now. So like, um, target had like, um, these little cute, like journals, like a positivity planner and a creativity planner. And I bought like three of them. I'm like, I'm doing all of these. Love so. it. <laughs> yeah. You're talking my language. Yeah. <laughs> See, Michelle, other people write things down just because I do it on Post-it notes. I write doesn't things have to be, down doesn't too. Doesn't make it a bad thing. Like Brie, I use <laughs> notebooks, not Post-its. Let's leave the Post-it bashing aside, please. Thank you. <laughs> no hate. Uh, so you're obviously multi-talented, but is there anything other than you already mentioned on-camera interviews, something that you wish that you were better at? So I would say I wish I was better at being assertive, um, whether I'm like being too nice or like not timid, but just holding back or not really realizing my worth, I think is some something I've struggled with for a long time, just career wise, um, whether it's like dealing with uh, like customer, client, whatever that is. Um, I think assertiveness is really important, especially for women in sports um, or women in any industry, because we often get overlooked or not taken as seriously or being assertive looks like we're being too aggressive or whatever it is. And so I think just like finding that fine line of like being nice, um, staying in my zone and all of that, but also stepping outside of it, being assertive, um, reaching out to people instead of waiting for people to reach out to me. Um, I think that that would help seize a ton more opportunities for myself, um, career wise and outside of it. So that is another 2019 goal. This is like perfect. I can talk about all the things I want to be better at um, <laughs> at the beginning of 2019. But um, yeah, just just being assertive, like in in the workplace, outside of the workplace, I think is something that I definitely could work on and be better at. I'm right there with you. Something I'm yeah. working on as well. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? You guys are sounding like me when I interview players. I'm <laughs> <laughs> coming back to you <laughs> no right um so now I have to really think about it I don't know if this was like advice that a person gave me or I read in an article so take it with a grain of salt but like I talked about a little bit earlier with like being assertive I think that we always typically like some of the best advice that I've read or heard is that we typically achieve greatness when we're more committed to our dreams than our comfort zones and so I think that that is such a valuable piece of advice and something to live by. It's like, we do not achieve success by doing the same thing every day. That's called insanity. That's that other quote. <laughs> but, but I just think that it's so important to think we can be successful if we stay committed to our dreams. Like it can be super overwhelming sometimes because 
we can be like, this dream is 10 years away, or this dream seems totally unattainable, or I don't have the skills to achieve this. But once you step out of that comfort zone, once you challenge yourself, and once you realize, like, if I chase this, I can do it, like anything is possible. Um, I just think that 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 advice, that mantra is so important for any industry, for anyone in any position. Um, just comfort zones are not the place to stay. That's a wonderful piece of advice, no matter what you're doing, what fields you're in. That's really great life advice. <laughs> yep, All right. So you're a really cool girl. And I'm sure that a lot of people listening to this are going to want to trade places with you for a day. But if you could trade places with someone else for a day, who would that person be? Uh, my life is not that exciting. So <laughs> trading places with me, but um, I would totally trade places with Doris Burke. Like, can you imagine calling an NBA game like as a woman? And she is awesome. Yeah, she is like outstanding. And the thing is, is like women receive so many so much slack in that industry. And I wish everybody treated treated women like they treat Doris Burke. Like she is a badass. Like we don't yeah. see people telling her to stay in the kitchen or stupid crap like that. Like. She calls NBA games. She's on the sidelines. She's on um, Sports Center giving analysis. So, like, if I could just live a, like one day in the life of Doris Burke, I think my outlook on life would totally change. She is just incredible. Yeah, I mean, you talk about somebody who you know is just smart and 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 gets the game and 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 gets the players and and has the respect of players too, like. Um, which I think there's a lot of people in, in sports broadcasting who, you know, some players just don't have the respect for that relationship hasn't been built. And she just, she owns it. She's just phenomenal. She's absolutely phenomenal. And she's worked so hard to get to where she is too. Nothing was handed to her and she had to work to make all those relationships and to earn all of that respect. And I just think, I just think a day in the life of Doris Burke would be a good day. Yeah, I can't, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Is she on Twitter? Yes. Yeah, it's uh, she's Hey DB, uh, H E Y at Hey DB, I believe. Yeah. So 2019 goal, connect with her on Twitter. Bri. Oh my god. <laughs> I am write that in your goal book. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So this is definitely a question I'm sure that you're asking people a lot. But how do you define success? Yeah, I think um, I think that is definitely a question that I would love to learn as well. Um, how do, how does success be defined but um I guess my answer would be I've never seen or viewed success as um your merit or your title or how much money you make um I know a lot of people will judge how successful they are based on their salary and I've just never seen it that way because if you're successful I know so many people who have these huge lifestyles like extravagant they have money they have big houses they have a perfect family and internally like I know their life is so twisted and messed up like it's looks so perfect on the outside and on the inside it's just there's something that's not right and it's because like they're not happy in something you know what I mean and so I would define success as being happy like whether that is happy in your career or happy with your relationships or happy with what your day-to-day looks like even. Um, I think that's true success. Like when we can wake up and be like, I am excited to do what I'm doing today and I am excited to live another day to get better. I think that's true success because, you know, we're, we're not here for a long amount of time not to get like too emotional or deep, but like 
be, I mean, we, money at the end of the day, isn't going to matter. Like at the, at the end of the road money, um, what, if you were a senior manager or director, like that's, that's never going to matter. So if you wake up and you get to love what you do every day, you get to love who you're around and what you're working on and what your dreams and your goals are. I think that would be true success. Such a great reality check for us to be reminded of. So we'll sort of swing back here into, um, you know, kind of, of this creative field that, um, you're in. And when you think about digital content, um, and, and social channels, I think as a society, I think it's really, you know, we kind of got at this before about, um, you know, why imagery is so vital in digital communications, but we're so inundated with content on digital platforms today. So from a, a content creator, how do you cut through the noise that sort of exists out there to deliver, high quality, engaging content to your audience? That's a super good question. Um, and I'll focus on my audience. Like I know it's totally different with like certain brands or certain large corporations. Um, like especially with, um, you talk about high quality content. I know so many brands and it should be this way, focus on quality over quantity. Um, it should be high quality. It should be relevant to your target audience and stuff like that. I guess in my specific market um, and segment, I would say how I stand out um, is real-time content. Uh, so, like, a lot of the people in the industry, like, I mean, you've got, like, your overtime, your 24-7 sports, um, your courtside films, like, stuff like that, like, in the industry. Um, a lot of the content is posted the day after or a couple of days after, and I found that they didn't like that content wasn't relevant at that point. Like in this high school basketball with the tournaments, the kids like to see the picture when they get done with the game. Like I have high schoolers, literally they will finish a game. I will still be on the court and they will text me asking for photos. And like, Bro, like I can get you on the court right now. So um, what I did to stand out specifically was get real time content. So like after a game was done, um, I would hop on either like my Wi-Fi on my camera or go over to my laptop really quick. Like literally I would not even have time to like find the best photos, but I would just find relevant photos from that game. Like whether, like, let's say, um, there was a game where there was like 10 seconds left and someone hit a jump shot to win the game. Like getting that jump shot picture up like within an hour is huge because like, um, people like news sources can pick it up. Like for example, Dwayne Wade was at one of the tournaments I was at with, um, and I cannot put my name on his old coach from Georgia. Um, but he was sitting with his old coach who was at, also at the tournament and they were talking and I literally like grabbed that photo, uploaded it as soon as I can, like Bleacher Report, Ball is Life, like all of these accounts picked that up so fast because it was the first one out there. So like my biggest goal has been delivering real time content while also trying to deliver high quality. But I know that sometimes I have to compromise the quality to get content out as fast as I can in this situation. And like I said, this can be, this is totally different across other brands. Like a lot of people don't need real time content. They need the best like Instagram grid, for example. But, um, I think <laughs> having content that is ready, um, and the kids in this day and age, they want everything so fast and news outlets need to be the first to report on it. So just me being able to like, I, it's, it's a, it's a grind, like having to go between games and like get as many photos, airdrop them to my phone and then go sit down for the next game and try to post while I'm taking photos during that game, um, was super valuable. And I feel like that's how D one circuit started standing out is because 
it had content that you couldn't find anywhere else, at least at that time. Oh man. The thing I love about your answer that you started out with, is you said, I'm going to tell you what it, what it is for my audience. And I think that's something that is so lost on some content creators today. And I'm not throwing shade. I, I respect people who are in these industries and everything, but like the reality is, is that we're always chasing what other people are doing and we're always, you know, taking a piece of advice or we're always looking at something and saying, oh, I got to be a part of that because look, it's working over there. And if you really kind of just turn the camera inwards and say, what is my audience looking for from me or from this brand and how can I best provide that to them? Um, I wish more people kind of looked at it that way as opposed to trying to get caught up in, you know, whatever the latest hashtag is on Twitter that's trending in the morning that, you know, is, you know, what was the today national peanut butter day? Like, you know, like enough of just chasing, you know, your, your tail endlessly. 100%. I could not agree with that more. So many people try to just hop on trends and what is the funniest memes, like the stupid egg thing recently. Oh God. Yeah. I think I saw that on like 50 accounts and I just can't imagine how many there were actually out there, but just knowing your audience, knowing what kind of content they want is so important. Like uh, D1 Circuit is like high school kids and stuff like that. And so I know that I need to post things fast and they don't need the best quality. But like I work um, technically, my employer is Sports Engine, which is under NBC Sports. And that social media account, I would approach completely different. Like it's it's a totally different strategy, a totally different audience. And so knowing your audience is like half the battle. And um, some brands, like you said, they just try too hard to be the best and the most popular and it just doesn't fit their brand voice at all. So you sort of got into this, um, which was going to be my, my follow up to this, but besides knowing your audience, is there anything else that you might zero in on in terms of maybe giving someone advice on how to create compelling content? Um, I mean, yeah, this, this definitely t goes off of the last question, but just I mean, you talked about looking at other people and trying to do what they do. I would challenge people to look at other people in their industry. Like um, if you're an NBA team, like the, the Trailblazers, I would look at another team, see what they're doing and be like, how can I do this better? How can I do this differently? How can I do this to relate to my brand voice? Like, I, I think it's super important. And you guys probably agree as creatives, like you probably draw inspiration from so many different people or brands or stuff like that. But it's super important to stay within your industry. Like me looking at B-dubs Twitter will do nothing. Like they are a totally, they're a food retailer. Like they're a totally different brand. But I think looking and gaining inspiration from people in your industry and then being like, how can I put my spin on this or my brand spin on this? And how can I make this better? And how can I make people engage with this more? I think is super important. And then just like thinking outside the box, like go against the norm. Like don't just go on what is okay in your corporation or your career. Like, don't be like, eh, I don't know if like people will like this because it's kind of against what the normal is. Like, I just think that getting outside of the box and challenging yourself or challenging your team and others around you is like super, super important to just creating compelling digital content. So I think that would be the best advice is just look at what others are doing. Think, how can I do it better? And look at what's been done before and be like, how can I think outside the box? Love it. Um, so when Steve sent me your website, Brie, I was kind of blown away at how many different things you do and that you're doing them all so well. So you're responsible for a lot. Um, do you have like a system or a methodology for managing it? Um, 
Yes and no, probably more on the no side. Um, I <laughs> create my more or my first um, content calendar, which holy crap, those things are hard. Yeah. Oh, Talk oh, about anxiety. You can't oh, do those on post-it notes. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll run out of post-it notes. Absolutely cannot. That is like a project in itself. Like people should be hired to create content calendars. Um, so I did, I did do that because I'm like, I need some kind of structure um, but social is so hard because every day can be different. Like things pop up every day, every week, every month. Like I'm sure that my content calendar when I created it like f- four months back was like totally different day to day than what I expected it to be. But even just having some kind of like structure and organization and like, this is what I want to do, I think is super helpful. Um, at least for like the for- photography portion, um, Lightroom, the Adobe app is like, super helpful for organization. You can store all of your photos in there in folders. And, um, and I, I work through there a ton. So just, and then posting all my photos into Dropbox and storing them there is, is super valuable, but like the uh, camera interviews and like designing websites and flyers is almost always on the fly. And so I, I wish that I had like a perfect system or mythology for all of it. Like that's a dream, but, um, at least right now, I'm I'm mostly working on the fly and just managing it as it comes, which I feel like a lot of people in this industry and you both can probably relate to that. But um, organization is hard in social and creativity. So yeah, I think it's super. I think it's super awesome um, for people who do have that organization. But I think um, it's it's tough with social and digital media for sure. Well, I feel like you're bringing something else to the table, and that is being adaptable. And it sounds like everything you do is like very fast paced. Um, So the fact that you're able to kind of do things on the fly, like, you know, organization is not probably not as important to people who can do that. Yeah, for sure. All right. So also looking at your your history from your, you know, your first internship to the job you have now, you've worked in some like really cool positions, what I will call dream positions. What's your advice for anyone who is out there like searching for their ideal job? Be willing to start with a crappy job. Like if we could all just hop right into our dream job, like I think the world would be like way better and it would life would be a lot easier. But everybody who is in these awesome positions, and I don't think I'm like in a dream position or anything like that, but like people way up high who are in these like amazing roles that everybody wants and everybody hopes for they didn't get there by just jumping into it you know like like I'm sure um most reporters journalists all that stuff had to work at like a crappy newspaper or a local news station or stuff like that like nobody wants to start there but to get to like where you want to be where you want to go you have to be willing to take things that might not be exactly what you want or in your wheelhouse or even maybe you don't have the skills for it but you learn like I think just being will like to have that flexibility and willingness to whether it's try new things or try sucky things like uh, the wizard's job was awesome. Like I worked for an NBA team, but I sat at a desk with a computer from like 2001 and we had <laughs> toilet for the whole office. Like it was, it was not glamorous by any means, but um, from the outside in, it's like, holy crap, like you get to be down on an NBA court and stuff like that. But I had to move so many boxes and do so much inventory and stuff like that. But I, that job helped me get my job now. So I think just being flexible and where you start is, is really important. And then just reaching out to people in that industry. Like I cannot stress the importance of 
social media or LinkedIn messages or stuff like that. Like I know so many people who have like messaged people on LinkedIn or Twitter and been like, Hey, I wanted to do this. And the person's like, Hey, you need this, this, this experience, reach back out when you have it all, they go get it, they reach back out and they have a job. Like it's, it's crazy how much you can do by just trying to connect with people. And like the worst thing that can happen is someone doesn't reply or leaves you on red, which, you know, sucks sometimes, but, um, just being able to reach out and venture out in the industry that you want to be in is so, so important. So I think, um, yeah, I think those would be my best two pieces of advice. You, you have to be in places where you don't want to be to get where you want to be sometimes. That's great advice. So our last question for you is what excites you the most about the future of digital? I'll go back to, um, just how much it changes. Like if you would have told, like if we would have all heard, uh, like eight or 10 years ago when Snapchat came out, that Instagram was going to have stories and filters and stuff, we would have been like, get out of here. Like you're crazy. (laughs) Like that's not going to happen. Instagram is like a block of, of photos. You can only make a square and stuff like that. And so Um, there's constantly new ways to create content, which is so exciting, like Instagram stories, or now you can add 10 photos to Instagram and you can make collages and you can add long videos and stuff like that. Like 10 years ago, we would have never thought that we could create content this way. And it opens up so many jobs, like so many videographers, Mm -hmm. social media, so many photography jobs have opened up over the past few years because we have to keep up with the platforms that we're using and we have to have the best content. And so... Um, the future of digital is so exciting to me. Like I'm going to be listening back on this and in, in 10 years and be like, holy crap, like this was so basic back then. Like it's, <laughs> it's just going to be, it's, it's going to change year to year. Like there's constantly new updates to all of these platforms. There's constantly new ways to create content and just being able to like keep up with that in your career is so exciting. Like you constantly have new challenges that you have to overcome. You constantly have to be fighting competition to be better than them. Um, it's just super exciting. Like there's so much potential for this industry. Like the jobs in this industry are only going to grow. Like I hope that, um, in 10 years, social media managers make way more than they do now. Um, yes, yes, please (laughs) for anybody in the creative industry. Let's, let's all stop taking unpaid internships. I took one. So I am total hypocrite because wizards paid me nothing. But let's stop taking those. Let's realize how valuable the digital media world is because in 10 years, like those are going to be some of the most important jobs in the country and in the world. Oh, yeah. I could not say that any any better. Like that's just perfect. I mean, the last couple of years, everything has just evolved so much. And, and the infrastructure that's been built ahead of that, that – this sort of got like this error got pushed into the infrastructure can't hold it now. And, and it's almost like you have to break it down and you have to kind of start over with what, what exists now. And in two or three years, we're going to be doing the same thing and starting over again, just because it's just, things are just rapidly changing. Right. You said that much more eloquently than I did. Oh no, no. Well, I think we can agree. Doris Burke probably could have said it a lot better (laughs) than the two of us, but, but no, no, I think you're spot on with that. If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at pod for creatives and let us know what stood out to you. 